Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 9.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And uh, today's big thing is uh, we're, we're talking trades. I, I do want to get to Gary Pinkle again. He came up in the, the fight. but And we need to freeze pops. We need to effort Gary because he's one of my favorites. But he is a guy that really was not exceptionally well-liked in Missouri until he started winning. Uh, but once he started winning, he became kind of the guy. And I, I have always been a fan of Pinkle because I always thought he had a great approach to college football. And the reason that I bring it up is, A, because I want to congratulate Gary on being one of the finalists for the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And B, there's a lot of Gary Pinkle and Eli Drinkwitz. They're, they share a lot of the same philosophies. And I really, at the opening press conference when Eli got announced and then in talking to him since when we had him on the show, I sense that there are a lot of similar traits between Gary Pinkle and Eli Drinkwitz. Absolutely. And one of the traits that I've certainly noticed, especially early on, is the way that Coach Drink, like Gary Pinkle, is able to during tough situations bring his team together. When I look back on Gary Pinkle's career and I think about Michael Sam, the way that he was able to you know, have that be such a, a team thing. Like Everybody on the team knew and it never got out to the media about Michael yeah, Sam. It was incredible. When you think about the protests and when it was not cool to back your players, Gary Pinkle backed the players and said, hey, this is a team thing. I'm going to support my players and whatever they want to say, even though he knew he was going to take backlash from that. When you look at Eli Drinkwitz and what he's done saying, hey, my this is an important issue to my players and they want to make their voices heard and he was able to bring everyone together. They did a peaceful protest. They all went and voted. To me, that's shades of Gary Pinkle. That's exactly something that Gary Pinkle would have done and I, I really think Mizzou got it right with this guy. Now, we'll have to find out on the field, but as far as a leader of men, he seems like he was a great hire. Yeah, he's he's got the benefit of the doubt because he's a nice guy, so he, he might have a couple of rough years, but we'll say, yeah, but he's a great guy. That's the way I work. That's the way I roll. <laughs> great guy. Great guy. All right, we started this conversation earlier this morning, and I I laid out my thought process because Jack Flaherty in two years has not agreed to a contract with the Cardinals. He's forced them to automatically renew the contract, which is within the rules. He can do that, and they can do that, and he says he understands that. But at the end of the day, 
Jack Flaherty is a businessman. He is in the baseball business. Not that he doesn't love to play. He's passionate. He cares. He works hard at it. But this is a business for him. And he did say to Derek Gould during spring training, you're looking five years down the road. A lot of stuff can happen in five years. That is a long time. And at the end of the day, you get rewarded for it. That's in free agency. The top tier guys get rewarded. And so we know he's thinking about free agency. Free agency might come after 2022 for him if the players get what they want in the next CBA, maybe after 2023. But the the time for Jack Flaherty, if the Cardinals stick to their idea that they've had under the DeWitt ownership since 1996, they stick to the idea of having a budget. There's no way that they'll have Jack Flaherty beyond the 2023 season, unless... He gets hurt or isn't as good as we think he is. So what I was thinking about yesterday as I'm out on the golf course is why not trade Jack Flaherty now or after this season for Nolan Arenado, who you know and you will know that you have control of because he would give up that opt-out after 2021 to come to St. Louis. So Michelle doesn't agree with me that I would trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. Jack Flaherty's right, Randy. A lot can happen in four years or in five years. You know what will happen in five years? Jack Flaherty will be the age Nolan Arenado is right now. He's 29 years old. He's approaching his age 30 season. Exact same age as when the Cardinals got Matt Holiday. Sure, but we know production tends to wane off Randy at the age 30 season. He also plays at Coors Field. How much of those numbers will translate? Jack Flaherty is everything you could hope for in an ace. He is going to be the face of the Cardinals franchise. He's already part of the face of the Cardinals franchise. As long as Bueno and Yachty are here, they will be those pillars of this franchise. Jack Flaherty is right there. How many times have we talked about the Tony LaRue Larusa era of baseball and that when that team took the field because of Albert and because of Chris Carpenter and because of Yachty, we said we have a chance because those guys are on our team. That's the way we feel about Jack Flaherty. When he goes out there and he has the ball, we feel like, yeah, he's on our team. We have a chance to win. And I think that the Cardinals, while they traditionally do not give out big contracts like that, especially to a pitcher, we, talk, we talked earlier in the show about Max Scherzer. That is one of the biggest mistakes that the Cardinals have made in the history of their franchise is not giving Max Scherzer the deal that he deserves and having him come to St. Louis and wear that uniform. And while different pitchers, I look at Jack Flaherty and everything that he has that the Cardinals view as valuable, and I don't think that they would let a guy like him out of their clutches. I think that they'll figure out a contract and they'll find a way to get it done. He absolutely could become Max Scherzer. He absolutely could become Mark Pryor. He, he could become one of a litany of pitchers that have lit it up early, including Carlos Martinez, a guy on the current team. Alex Reyes, a guy on the current team who we thought were going to be great, but then suffered the arm injury. And I know you don't go into things thinking, oh, well, he might suffer an arm injury. But you have to look at that possibility, especially with the percentage of pitchers that do get hurt and the fact that he hasn't yet. We have a poll up on Twitter at M Smallman. I retweeted it and, and the... Uh, the station page, right? 101 ESPN yep. has it up. So you can go to uh, vote on Twitter. It's simple. Would you trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado? And we do appreciate your mic drops. Here is Nick on 101 ESPN. Guys, I got one player's name for you right here. This will sum everything up. Yabaldo Jimenez. Remember that great season he had? All the talk in Colorado. Out in Colorado doing it. Look, pitchers can have amazing one-year stints. Look at Jake Arrieta. I mean... Let's get while we can, while we can. Let's move him. Let's move him. So that's a a plus for me. (laughs) That's a a Flaherty for Arenado. 
That's a good thought. Ubaldo was unbelievable for that one year in Colorado. Never really was quite the same after that. Good name, though. Great name. Ubaldo Jimenez. Great name. Here is Chris on 101 ESPN. Randy and Michelle, I am not trading Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. Arenado's road splits are way lower than his home splits, and I'm still concerned whether or not his superstar status offensively is not related to Coors Field or whatever they're calling that field these days. No way. 200 points lower for his ops on the road compared to at home. Rocky Mountain Air, Randy. Rocky Mountain Air. It's a good thing. It, it, it's a great it, thing if you're a hitter. It, it has benefited a lot of people. It it certainly benefited Matt Holiday and Larry Walker when they were there. And I don't know that I would have wanted to go through history, uh, the recent Cardinal history, without Larry Walker or Matt Holiday. For a good hitter, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. If you can hit, you can hit. Yeah. So that seems like we're 1-1 one, one here. Yeah. As far as our mic droppers. Yeah. Here's Rob on 101 ESPN. I think that with... Flaherty's contract, he has the perfect opportunity to wait it out with the Cardinals, then sign with the Dodgers, and he could be the heir apparent to Kershaw and pitch at his hometown, which I think is too much to, in terms of temptation for any player. And I think that uh, under those circumstances, you have to take Arenado. I would think that there would be a greater likelihood that he would wind up with the Angels, actually, for two reasons. Number one, the Dodgers already have Walker Bueller, who is going to be the front man of their rotation with Kershaw gone. And number two, the Dodgers don't pay guys. The Dodgers are, are much like the Cardinals. They they work within a budget, and they want to develop young players like Bueller. And they, they haven't been a team that has given that big contract. Surprising, because when the new ownership got there, they traded for a bunch of guys that had big contracts. But... Uh, aside from giving the deal to Kershaw, Andrew Friedman, to his own guys, hasn't given out a $100 million contract. And this is why I am confident that while he might not get top, top dollar from the Cardinals, he knows that they're going to write a big check for him, as big as they can possibly go. Jack Flaherty is a guy that wants to win at all costs. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant is his idol. He lives by the don't think Mamba mentality. Do you really think if he's looking at the situation and it's, oh, you can get more money in Anaheim and play for the Angels and play for a team that you know is not going to compete and you know is not visible. It's not even visible in L.A. You're going to get buried out there the way Pujols did, the way Mike Trout is, or you could play for the San Luis Cardinals. You can be the face of their franchise and you could play for a team that is consistently put in a position to win and still get paid. What do you think would be more attractive to him? Well, the team with money. Based on what he has said and done, his actions to me speak very loud. It, it appears that he's looking at... It doesn't appear. It is. He's looking ahead to free agency. He, he said that. And you look ahead to free agency because you want to cash in. And Albert will come off the books after 2021 in Anaheim. And he'll be a free agent after 2022. So if, indeed, the players get what they want, and I have every reason to believe they will, and you're playing with Trout and you're playing with Rendon, you got a chance there. And you get a lot of money. A lot, lot, lot of money. I don't know. I don't know. I know, I know that he... 
He understands his value and he wants to get what his value is. And I respect that out of him. But I also, you say actions speak louder than words. I watch him on Instagram every day, grinding it out, talking about his quest to win. He also wants to win. That also has value for him more than a more than a set dollar amount. And what the Cardinals, I think it would give the Cardinals a much better idea of what they're doing with him. If after this season, they come to him with that contract, offer him. Give him a, a, a five-year deal to buy out a couple of years of free agency and offer him $10 million a year to for the last three years, those three arbitration years. That would be 30 and then $15 million a year. So offer him a, a five-year, $60 million contract and see if he takes it because that will give you an idea as to whether or not you even have a chance to keep him for long term. That's what I would do if I were the Cardinals. And that's today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. It's next. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right. It's time for... Today's my day, Randy. Today is my day. So, Randy, we got the 100-plus page document about the NBA and all of the things we can expect coming out from the bubble. We're talking safety guidelines, testing protocols, etc. But let's get to the good stuff, all right? <laughs> we have some details about what this is going to look like for players from an amenity standpoint. And there was a handbook that was sent to players and teams about the properties. They're going to stay at three different properties at Disney World. And here are some highlights about what they can expect their living situation to be like. Athletes will have access to a player's only lounge that includes TVs, arcade gaming, and access to NBA 2K, ping pong as well. A 24-hour VIP concierge that's available to players. And there's going to be daily entertainment made available. This could include movie screenings and or a DJ set. Each team will have a dedicated Disney culinary team to create individualized team menus, support team dietary needs, and ensure the health and safety guidelines are being followed. The players will get three freshly prepared meals a day and four meals a day on game day. Team-sponsored outings such as privatized restaurants, boating, bowling, fishing, and golf will be available. Plus, players are going to have access to virtual chaplain services, have their talks with God, yoga and meditation, virtual mind health sessions and mental health services, and other amenities include the availability of barbers, manicurists, pedicurists, and hair braiders by appointment. That is fantastic. I love that. And I I had read that they also may, I don't know if this is definite yet, but may have access to the parks, right? The The theme rides in the parks. They're going to essentially have those fast pass bracelets. Yeah, and there's going to be nobody there. So all they have to do is kind of walk around the park and it'll be theirs. I thought it was also interesting. And I think what the NBA is doing for the players is spectacular and that it was smart of the players to ask for this stuff from a union standpoint. But the the top seeds get the best hotels, too. Right. That's pretty cool. But when you think about it, you, yes, you're going to have the, the testing. You're going to have all of these things. And I know while you're living in this bubble for a few months, it might not be ideal. But you've got everything you could ever need right there. The NBA is going to make sure that, that you can take a private boat if you want. You've got a barber. You have a chef cooking up whatever you want. I mean, it sounds awesome. What's the best part of it for you? If you're an NBA player... Getting three meals a day, you get that already. I was say, you probably already yeah. have a chef. Right. So what's the coolest part of this whole thing for you? If I'm an NBA player? Yeah. 
see, when I'm looking at a lot of this stuff, I think this is probably stuff they already have on, in their daily lives. They probably already have a barber. I mean, we know the Cardinals mm-hmm. have a team barber. They have a guy that makes sure they're looking fresh. Um, you definitely have a chef, or at least the team is providing you with some sort of a nutrition avenue. I like that lounge. You know what? I was going to say that the lounge sounds cool, but I think the 24-hour VIP concierge is going to come up huge for these guys because if you can't leave the bubble, you're going to have somebody access 24-7 that you can dial up that can get you whatever you need or tell you the best route to do something. Mm-hmm. That's something that you probably don't have on a daily basis that will come in specifically handy for this. That'd be great. And by the way, if you have golf, that's a pretty large bubble. Yes. <laughs> it's an NBA quality bubble there. It really is. Also, I thought this was really interesting. The NBA is creating an anonymous hotline to report potential violations of protocol in Orlando. So if you're sitting out on your patio of your suite or whatever and you look up and you're like, oh, is that LeBron sneaking out of the bubble? You can call and anonymously report him. What's it called? An anonymous... Hotline. Hotline? Tip line. I I wonder why they just don't call it the Kyrie line. (laughs) (laughs) So my question to you is going to be, who is the guy that is going to say, all right, competitive advantage for me. I'm going to snitch on somebody and say somebody's sneaking out. Oh, man. Um... Because I, the, qu- the question of who's going to sneak yeah. out first has to be James Harden, right? He's going to try to... Oh, there's no doubt. Sneak right. out. He's the guy that's going to sneak out. Who is the person that would make the phone call, though? Who's snitching? Could it be LeBron as competitive as he is? That's a good question. Because with Kyrie, we got the reports. Uh, Kendrick Perkins was saying the reason Kyrie is doing all of this is because he was told he's not coming to the bubble. Mm-hmm. So while it, it could be called the Kyrie line, he might not even be there to snitch. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking... LeBron, the the old wise guy who's not going to leave the bubble anyway. You know, he's no. chill. He's he's fine with the he, he he's got a bubble in L.A. He lives in a bubble. He, his house in Akron is bigger than the bubble they have in Orlando. He's also while the NBA is very star driven. LeBron is the most visible stars. He's yeah. the star of stars. If yeah. he tried to sneak out at any point, all eyes would be on him. He's the hotline guy. Yeah, definitely. You think so? Yeah, totally. I think he calls the hotline. If if Kawhi leaves and LeBron is just sitting there sitting back on one of the beautiful Adirondack chairs in Disney World and he sees Kawhi sneaking out he's grabbing that phone he's calling the hotline right away because that gives him an advantage now Kawhi's got to be quarantined he doesn't have to face the Clippers that's what I'm saying. I think I think there's probably going to be more than one snitch that is going to lie and say someone's sneaking out for a competitive oh, advantage. Yeah, yeah. So then, then let's take okay, this the a step. lying snitch. That's I was just different. Gonna, I was just going to say then let's take this a step further because you know they're going to pull the security footage. So what if somebody calls the anonymous hotline and they say, "Hey, Kawhi is sneaking out," and then they pull the footage and it's not there? Then does the snitch get a penalty? Is it anonymous? Is the line really truly anonymous then? This is see. These are questions that need to be asked. <laughs> this is great stuff. I love. Somebody's got to call this just for fun. Yeah, we we need to have a reporter test it out. Yeah, or a or, or rookie. Just have a rookie that has the line, you know, that has nothing to gain or lose from this, just to try it out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> who was uh? Who was the lake? Was it was it Jordan Clarkson that put that video of Nick Young out there that got him in trouble? 
Was that who? No, it was from the, uh, the guy who's with the, the he's with the uh, T Wolves now. The oh, uh, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo yeah. Russell. He would be the snatch. Yeah, yeah a good call. <laughs> the T Wolves aren't going to be there either, yeah. are they? No, but if he was if he was there, he would definitely be the snatch. You know who would have been back in the day, Christian Leitner. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> no doubt. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, we've been talking all day about this hypothetical trade, Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. And I have been in the camp, firmly in the camp, that you would have to pry Jack Flaherty from my cold, dead hands if I'm Bill DeWitt and John Mosellock. I do not make this move. And a lot of people are saying, who cares what you say, Smallman? I say, you're right. Let's hear what Tim Kirkchen has to say. This is a baseball lifer. Would he make this move? I would not trade Jack Flaherty. I would say that he looks exactly like a great pitcher is supposed to look like. And even though I'm very much a position player guy and Nolan Arenado is unbelievable, I think you hang on to your starting pitcher and then you sign him no matter what. I just heard Nolan Arenado is unbelievable. <laughs> That's what I heard there. Selective Nolan listening. Arenado is unbelievable. <laughs> I heard you hang on to Jack Flaherty no matter what from one of the preeminent voices in baseball, Tim Kirkjian. I love the thought process there, but I'm also a realist. Do the Cardinals hold on to anybody no matter what? They tried to hold on to Albert. They did, but he they chose didn't. to walk. Yeah. So they don't hold on to anybody no matter what. Take it or leave it. You would rather give up Carlson for Arenado than you would Flaherty. I'll take that because Carlson is much more of an unknown than Flaherty is. Agreed. And I've got some outfielders that I feel like I can plug in there. And it, I, I think that, and number one, I think it would be really hard for Colorado to justify trading Arenado for a guy who's never played a game in the major leagues. Sure. But I also think that... Uh, if you can keep Jack Flaherty, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. right? right. I'm not, you're able to get Arenado for him because he's great. Of course. And my concern would be once he reaches the point where he can leave you, do you have any chance of keeping him around? I don't think you do. Take it or leave it. Even if the Cardinals do what it takes to keep Jack Flaherty, no matter what, that contract ends up badly. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and one of the reasons, he might be great, but the Cardinals are going to be working within the confines of a budget. As long as Bill DeWitt's the owner, they're going to have a budget, and he'll take up a large percent of, percentage of that, which would preclude the Cardinals from being able to going, go out and get other great players. It's just part of the reality of the situation. It's, it's not something I wish for. I, I wish they had a payroll of $300 million, but they aren't going to. And that's, they've got a pretty good track record since 1996 of doing what they've done. And that's one of the reasons that I would look at this seriously. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's get one mic drop in here. Randy, you have the board next to you. Dealer's choice. You pick who you want to hear from. Oh, you got to always hear from Janet here on 101 ESPN. Flaherty is bye-bye anyway. He will never sign with the Cardinals. They'll never give him what he wants. And so why not get something for him? Yeah, trade him. I should have never let you choose. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. That's, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com has an interesting piece up about the XFL. He did some great in-depth reporting, and we're going to have Kevin with us next on 101 ESPN. Get your breakfast raw every morning. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker, and Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com has a highly in-depth piece about the life and death of the XFL. It's up right now at ESPN.com, and Kevin is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Mr. Seifert, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you all? Everything's good here in St. Louis. We're doing well, right, Kevin. Right. Um, first right. question for you. So the XFL obviously had some early success, especially here in St. Louis. And even when the pandemic hit, it seems like everyone you spoke to and you put this in the piece still had confidence that the league would come back in 2021. It seems like they were getting reassurances that that indeed would happen. Can you explain to us at what point it went from, OK, we're coming back in 2021 to, OK, we filed bankruptcy? Yeah, I mean, I think. Probably the the biggest factor was them, the XFL, trying to project whether their 2021 window would still exist. Um, And by that, I mean the NFL in in normal years and college football in normal years would play in the fall. And the whole idea behind the XFL was to sort of grab uh, the, the hardcore 30 to 40 million NFL and college football fans who, when the Super Bowl was over, are still dying for more football. So they wanted to be able to start right back up in February of 2021. But especially in April, this this past April, um, there was no assurances, and there really is still no assurances that the NFL season would be played on time or that the college football season be played on time. So it was, it was starting to seem, uh, I think, within the XFL offices that it was quite possible that they would have – there would be a pileup and they would lose their window that, that the NFL would, would move their season back and the Super Bowl could go, who knows, until the end of February and college football would uh, be around the same time and, and they would lose that window. So if you're sitting there after having played five games and you've, uh, you, know, you don't know whether you'll be able to even get back on the field within the next year, then I think they started to be concerned about the long-term financial uh, uh, trend with the league. And so I think that's what ultimately, if there was, there's a lot of reasons, but that was the biggest one is that they had no idea at the time when or if they could get back on the field. Kevin, I know there, there are a lot of St. Louis Battlehawks fans. They had a pretty myopic view, and it's reasonable. They, they were cheering for their team and not keeping an eye on the other seven franchises in the XFL. But it, it seems like from your reporting that the, the Battlehawks were kind of the flagship franchise economically for the league. How much better were they doing than the other teams in the league? Yeah, I think they. I think the number was they accounted for about a third of the total revenue of the league, and it's obviously eight teams plus, you know, other sort, sources of revenue as well. So, uh, you know, they while they were averaging almost thirty thousand um, uh, uh, people per game, you, know, you had franchises in the two big biggest cities in the country, LA and New York, and they were at like thirteen or fourteen thousand per game. So more than doubling the attendance um, and not to be, that wasn't a surprise. I don't think to anyone, it was going to take lo- much longer to make headway in markets like New York and LA uh, and even in Dallas where there's already so many, uh, you know, pro football teams, multiple pro football teams in LA and New York and, and every other sport as well. And I think they understood from the start that St. Louis had the potential to be an early and very special market given the departure of the Rams, given the way high school football had sort of uh, seen a resurgence in, in attendance uh, after the Rams left, given the Blues' success and just given the, the sports market in general, they thought there was a lot of 
really unique factors that could make St. Louis at least be able to lead the way um, and, and, and drive revenues and drive popularity for the league until the rest of the market's caught up. Kevin, yeah, it was an undisputed success here. It was amazing. But as you as you mentioned, the top two markets not drawing as much. When you look at all of the different factors combined, television ratings, revenue generation, et cetera, can you say that you think the XFL was successful slash that it would have been successful moving forward? I think they had, you know, I think what they felt, and, and I wouldn't dispute this, that they felt like they had a, they were on their way to a uh, successful first season. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, you know, TV ratings that, uh, you know, while they, they started off very high and then they went down each week, quite possibly would have rebounded because they had a, most of their games were going to be on either ABC or Fox as opposed to ESPN or ESPN2 or FS1. And so they had a pretty good chance for uh, ratings uh, rebound. They had, a, I think, the, the, the quality of play, most people agreed, was, was improving over the course of each week. Some teams that had started off with quarterbacks that weren't that uh, weren't working out had already replaced them, and there was starting to be a sense that, in a lot of ways, the uh, same way as the NFL season goes, it was going to be more interesting and better quality of play as the season went on. So, I think you know, I I wouldn't go so far as to say they indisputably proved that that they were going to be a long term success or that spring football can definitely work um, in this country, but. I think they were uh, on their way to, to having a, a better first season than any of the other uh, spring football uh, leagues we've seen attempted, really, since since the AFL-NFL merger. How would you categorize, Kevin, Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com with us on 101 ESPN, how would you categorize the chances of the XFL playing another snap, somebody buying it out of bankruptcy and getting teams on the field? I think from what I understand and my reporting, I think there's a pretty good chance that somebody or some company is going to buy uh, the XFL brand and the intellectual property. And if they do, they'll inherit a plan that had already been um, in the works before bankruptcy was declared, which was to have a sort of uh, similar to what the NBA is doing, a bubble type environment where all eight XFL teams would be in one city, a lot like they were in training camp in Houston this past year, and they would just play each other in without fans or with very few fans on sort of a made-for-TV type league. And so I think I think it's a very good chance someone buys them, and I think they'll have a they'll have a shot, a decent shot at being able to put together um, that type of bubble league, especially if the NBA um, and maybe the, uh, you know, some other sports uh, demonstrate that that can work uh, in the meantime. But there is definitely momentum. I, I, in talking to the to the brokerage house that's running the bankruptcy sale, like I, over 30 interested parties signed non-disclosure agreements to at least look into the finances and determine whether it was a good investment. And given the economy and the and the state of, of affairs in the country, um, if you're somebody who believes in, in buying low, uh, there's probably a decent chance you could buy the XFL brand name and, and the other things that come with it at a pretty decent price. And Kevin, you saw that report before uh, when the word came out that McMahon might want to be want to buy it at a discount, buy the league at a discount out of uh, 
bankruptcy himself, he had instructed league officials to try to renew the leases here in St. Louis and in Seattle. You talked about the pod concept. Uh, once we get past the pandemic, if somebody buys it, could you envision a scenario in which there's a new XFL where uh, you, you take the St. Louis model, and you mentioned this, not using NFL cities, but go to San Diego, go to Oakland, go to Orlando, go to Birmingham, and try to build it that way? There's definitely something to be said for that and making it sort of the AAA model. I think that's what Kurt Hunziker, uh, you know, the, the former Battlehawks president, referred to it as that sort of the AAA concept and really capitalize on that. There's other people who think that, uh, you know, the bigger the market, the more people you have uh, a chance to, to cultivate. So I think there's, it'll depend on who those owners are. But yeah, and, and it would depend on whether they only, you know, what their ambition levels are too. It's really expensive to have a cross country uh football league Mm -hmm. in terms of things like workers compensation and insurance and stadium leases and all the things that go into it uh the the bubble concept is is a lot cheaper and you know may not be as interesting and and it, it doesn't open as many revenue sources as it would if you're selling tickets in various stadiums across the country but It'll really depend on the owners, but if they, if the new owners want to, you know, in 2022 or some other time expand out, uh, I think the St. Louis model will be one that they, they would be, it would be very unwise to not uh, study and emulate as much as they can. Kevin, I think when we all first heard that the XFL was going to happen, especially here in St. Louis, a lot of people were suspect. But then they said, oh, okay, Oliver Luck's going to be running this deal. And as yeah. he said, he doesn't do gimmicks. So we knew that if he was taking this seriously, that the chances for success were greater. Well, obviously, uh, per your piece, we know that he is suing Vince McMahon for wrong, wrongful termination, etc. And even under new ownership, I don't wonder if a lot of people look at what happened with Oliver Luck and uh, that good talent that might want to come to the XFL, whether it's from an organizational standpoint or whatever, might be turned off because a guy like Oliver Luck got burned in the XFL. Yeah, and that's sort of the double-edged sword of buying the XFL brand. You know, you buy the brand because people immediately know what that means. It means spring football. It means that, you know, it'll draw memories of the the things that happened in this past season. But on the other hand, um, a lot uh, you know both of the both of the previous xfls have ended after uh one season in this case less than one season and and in this case uh ended with a lot of lawsuits you know oliver luck i, I totally agree with with your assessment there that uh, you know when when vince mcmahon first announced it was me xfl 2.0 no one had any idea what that meant did it mean it was gonna you know were they there was theories that it was going to be a league that would have no uh you know safety rules and everybody just you know football from back in the old days you know who knows what his idea was but when they hired oliver luck and 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 in order to lure him they had to, to, to guarantee him a very lucrative contract uh it was a five-year deal up to 35 million dollars um, but when he agreed to do that, you said, okay, this, this is, this is going to be a real football league and it's going to be done the right way. And I think everyone to a person involved in the league, uh, felt that that was the case. That doesn't mean that the new owners can't find someone who also brings, you know, a level of competence and credibility, but it's, I don't know that it would be somebody with a, with a name and, and, and recognition of an Oliver Luck. Kevin Seifert, one last note for you. We had two St. Louis Battlehawks home games. I have three St. Louis Battlehawks shirts. <laughs> I have more shirts than they had home games in their existence. Yeah, I think they were. Uh, I, I, 
that's you, you should keep, hold on to those and uh, i'm sure they'll be collector's items and hopefully they'll be uh, xfl there once again for you to be able to wear them at the next game michelle is wearing one right now i'm it's literally wearing a battle hawk shirt right now kevin <laughs> <laughs> all right glad to hear that great stuff great work and we advise everybody to go to espn.com and check out your great reporting about the xfl kevin thanks so much for the time we do appreciate it yes thanks for having me have a great day that is kevin seifert of ESPN.com. We're going to cross things over to Dan McLaughlin and Scoops with Danny Mac. It's coming up, and he is next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin is here. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up at the top of the hour, and in uh, You're Killing Me Smalls, Michelle asked about all the amenities that NBA players are going to get down in Orlando. We do get a salient uh, text from the 314. Uh, yeah, but this is the NBA. Will they have an army of weed dealers mm. available to them? Because it is the NBA, after all. I didn't see that in the in the ESPN.com <laughs> story. They didn't make any reference so to that. All you need is one that has a variety, I think, for them. I don't know. Is it uh, legal in... Orlando? Oh, they can make it legal. It's the it's a bubble, Dan. All right. Make <laughs> adjustments, I guess. I, I don't know. I I've yeah. been places where it's legal. I not that I'm partaking. It's hey, if it's legal, whatever. Yeah. Do it do whatever you know, float your boat. Whatever not, makes not you my, happy, right? Not my business, man. <laughs> I don't care. It's your world, baby. Hey, we've got a uh, Twitter poll up. Would you trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado? And uh, Michelle says she would not. I would trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado. Give me the parameters. Okay, well, with the belief, and it's not absolute knowledge, but when you look at the fact that Flaherty has in two years not really negotiated with the Cardinals to try to give him a contract... Because he's thinking, after his rookie year, he was thinking about arbitration. This year, when he turned on the contract, he told Derek Gould, I'm looking five years down the road. He's looking at free agency. He's looking at Garrett Cole's contract. And for me, knowing what the Cardinals' history is with budgets, and I, hey, they, they've made the playoffs in 13 of the last 20 years, right? They know what they're doing. They're working within a budget. Are the Cardinals ever going to give a Garrett Cole-type contract to any pitcher? Probably not. So, w- would you make... A deal like that, where you might have Flaherty, if you have a strike in 22, you might have him for 40, 45 more starts. You have him next year, maybe this year. He might be a free agent after 2022. And I I think long-term, you aren't going to have him anyway. So get a guy that's an everyday player that's a stud that you would have for a long time. I think it's going to be fascinating what uh, all teams do and what their business model will be. So, for instance, let's just say they come out with an agreement uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're the Chicago Cubs. I think Buster Olney has talked about this with, like, Chris Bryant and some of the big contracts that they have. And they say, we're open for business if you want some of these guys because, as we all know, they're they're having losses of biblical proportions Mm -hmm. so would they be willing to trade some of those players and are there organizations that want to take those contracts on i would assume there's not going to be many teams that want to take on those deals so that's one thing what teams want to trade what teams want to take those on um 
I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if the Cardinals would want to take that deal on. And you do have Nolan Gorman coming. You just trade or just drafted a uh, a kid that they believe can be a third baseman. Even though some of the uh, the draft experts believe that he will eventually move to right field. But I've got Brian Walton coming up uh, on on the show, and I'm sure we'll get into it whether he projects to be a right fielder. But um, most believe he's going to be a third baseman. So one of those two guys is the third baseman of the future. I don't know. I mean, Nolan Ar- Ar- Arenado is the best third baseman I've seen since Scott Rowland. He's he's unbelievable. But do you really want to pay that kind of money with an uncertain economic future? I- I'm not sure you want to do that. Well, and to look at it from the perspective of the Rockies, do you have the cash on hand to turn over to the Cardinals? Because the Cardinals would ask, that's a $35, $35 million a year You're not going to pay that. So they would have to, Colorado would have to contribute something. Do they have the cash to contribute? I don't know, to to making a deal like that. Well, maybe you go to Jack Flaherty, you say, okay, here's the deal. Literally, here's mm-hmm. the deal we're offering you. And he says, no, I'm not doing it. Okay, we're going to ride you out until the final year of arbitration or a year and a half before you hit mm-hmm. arbitration. And then put him out there and see the best deal you can get. And bye-bye. That's what you do. Man. Isn't it fun to talk baseball, to actually talk about trades and not squabbling between millionaires and billionaires? <laughs> well, that's why I want to talk to Brian Walton, because I actually want to talk about players that maybe are going to be playing someday. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to doing that, and uh, I am going to get into the labor situation. I mean, I talked a lot about what's going on with baseball yesterday. I, I don't want to get too much into that anymore today, but we will. I mean, it's it's what's going on. you gotta, you got to talk about it, but um, I missed the game. It really, I actually texted Brad Thompson because I, I was looking at the schedule. I think I was supposed to work with Brad uh, for this series. Speaking of the Rockies, Rockies, I believe, were supposed to be in town this week, right now. And um, it really hit me for the first time. I don't know why. Hit me for the first time yesterday. Really? It, I, it's I don't just know not why. happening. Yeah, yeah I, because I really was passionate. I had so many people, um, and it, well, it was great. I guess people are listening, so that's good. Mm-hmm. I had so many people in and out of the Cardinal family text me about the show yesterday. I don't know why. I Maybe because I was so passionate about it. I, I just, I'm frustrated. I miss it. Um, miss the crew, miss the fans, miss the players, miss the game. Um Miss everything about it, you know. Oh. I've been I've been doing this a long time, you know. I mean, it's I just uh, not to get too sappy. I, I know fans miss watching it. Had a lot of people say they just want to watch a baseball. I, I know this is so cliche, and we've heard it a thousand times, but it just hit me at about five o'clock last night. I don't know why, oh. but man, I really it was the first time. Like I I miss it. Okay, I've said I missed it, mm-hmm. but it hit me hard last night at about five o'clock where I was almost in tears i i don't really cry but i was almost in tears at how much i missed it well yeah and and what's sad is that and tom stillman talks about how his ownership of the blues it's a community trust he owns they aren't trying to make a bunch of money they they look at that as a an investment in their community and every owner and player even though they're making a ton of money should first and foremost look at what they do as something that is a community trust in whatever community they and a national trust and it it, yes the game is for them but at the end of the day the game is for the country and it shouldn't be that difficult if you do have a conscience about that aspect of it shouldn't be that difficult to get the game on the field 
Well, Brad, Brad texted me yesterday, and he says, man, it makes you realize, you know, we, we took it for granted. And I actually texted him back, and I'm not saying this to curry favor with fans. And I said to him, I'm being honest, I never have taken it for granted. I'd work my ass off to get here. Yeah, you never have. I know that for a fact. And um, I, I, I didn't have a family member in this business, and that's no disrespect to anybody that does. I didn't have a family friend. I didn't have anybody. I'm a guy from South St. Louis that came from nothing, and I'm doing this job, and I don't take it for granted. I get behind that mic, and I, I make a point every time we're at Bush Stadium. I make a point before that first pitch, even when you guys come in that booth and I'm laying down on the couch because I'm exhausted sometimes, um, to go down before I get behind the mic and take it in. I look out, I watch the crowd, I see the parades that come in, I, I, look, I always look and see who's on the, because we always have these first pitches. Sometimes it could be a special needs kid. Sometimes it's a military person. Sometimes it's a birthday. Sometimes it's whatever it may be. And I'm like, this is the community aspect of what Cardinal baseball is about. And it's really cool. And sometimes I see the families that are here, and sometimes it's the drunk guy with the cutoff sleeves. I like that, too. And it's the guy wearing the cowboy hat that was the giveaway from three years ago. All of it. That's what is cool about this. I love every part of it. I love the pregame conversations that we have with our crew. And it could be the men and women of our crew. I love visiting with the, the, the broadcasters. I love having dinner with Mike Shannon every night. That is pretty cool. That's a neat part of it. And I don't take that for granted. I never have. I, I'm being honest. And so I, t- I texted Brad. I said, I never have taken that for granted. Great. And um, I don't know, man. It just hit me about 5 o'clock last night, and I got teary-eyed. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I just miss it. I, I really miss it. Hopefully, very soon, we can have you bringing baseball to us. Well, I thought, I'll give you, am I going over here? No, no. All right. So, I, you know, I started that the website that I have like three years ago on purpose because I thought we would have a work stoppage in 2022. That's why I did it. Mm. And so this thing has hit me earlier than I thought. So I was actually preparing for a work stoppage. I thought we're going to have something, but it'll be maybe a month, month, two months. You know, you're going to have, it's going to be a stoppage, but they're going to get back on the field because they, there's no way you're going to have a full season. That's going to, we've never had a full season Mm -hmm. in baseball ever. We never had what they had in hockey a few years ago. Right? Never. It's never even under Bud Selig. They they missed the World Series, but they had at least a season that built up to missing the World Series. And again, I I realize it's not ideal. I mean, you don't have fans in the stands, and if we get, let's just say they agree to it, you pop on that first game, and it's going to look weird. Like because it's so easy to say we need baseball, and then you turn it on, and it's like, ooh, this is mm-hmm. this is really weird. But it's still baseball. It's still baseball, yeah. Yeah, Right. And I I don't want this to just be glossed over. Uh, That Stars and Stripes cowboy hat giveaway was epic. (laughs) It's my my, uh, Twitter. It is. That's right. What do you call the thing that's the Avatar. My avatar. Yeah. Yeah. I actually took it off for like one hour and people were going nuts that I I put like a picture of me going, hey, how you doing? You know, it's like me smiling and they're like, get that thing off, put the cowboy hat back on. I put it back on. You know. So there it is. Uh, looking forward to scoops with Danny Mac. Thank you. All right guys, thanks. That's Dan McLaughlin. Thanks to our producer today, Tommy Freeze Pops Carol. Good job, sir. Thanks, guys. We'll talk tomorrow. Alan Surrey running the board and a great contributor and a huge part of Carriker and Smallman. Michelle, this was fun.
It was fun, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. That is Michelle. I'm Randy. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.